You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 27th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. Uh, the goal is always to be worth your time. Uh, this week we're going to do it with what is basically a column about the NFL and COVID and college football here at the top. And then a great bunch of questions on Harrison Butker, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs' biggest threat, and how to get into this weird business. And another Chiefs point built around something Patrick Mahomes said this week. Huge thanks to you for listening. Uh, the feedback has been great, especially now that we're out from behind the paywall. Uh, please keep it coming. If you like the show, please subscribe, give us a rating and review to help us get the word out. We're working hard to present information and perspectives you can't get in other places. The Star is running a special promotion right now for the Sports Pass. A dollar a month for the first three months covers most of the Chiefs season. That gives you all of our sports coverage, including more original Chiefs content than you can find anywhere else. Uh, just reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email and I'll send you the link. Okay, uh, the biggest news in the NFL this week is the continuing COVID outbreak within the Tennessee Titans. This is a major thing, obviously, sort of, you know, the NFL's version of what Major League Baseball dealt with from the Marlins and Cardinals for a while. There's a lot of anger around the league. Um, I'm talking about from players, from coaches, from executives. And, you know, that anger turned up a notch after the report by Paul Kuharski that the Titans players, some Titans players, I should say, were running sort of off-the-books workouts that violated NFL protocols. And, you know, you have to assume made the out outbreak worse. And and I'm not here to defend the Titans, okay? Um, I, I don't like the idea of, I don't love the idea of a forfeited game, but, you know, whatever punishment comes, those players will have earned. But I'm also thinking here a bit about, you know, potential spread within other teams, like the Chiefs, who had a player test positive last week. You know, the Patriots have had their best player on each side of the ball test positive in the last week. Um, you know, broadly speaking, around the league, the test results have been encouraging. But still, you know, there, there's enough unknowns out there to keep an eye on it. But I'm also struck by this, like, just blaring lack of consistency. Like, you know, college football is, you know, generally in worse shape than the NFL. You know, like a lot of schools aren't sharing test results, um, you know, even without names, citing what I believe at least is a misapplication of HIPAA loss. But, you know, every week we see reports of players missing games or, you know, coaches talking about certain position groups being on the brink. You know, these things are hard to quantify. And please correct me if you think I'm wrong, but the general reaction at that level seems to be sort of, you know, let's keep going. We got to have the games. But in the NFL... There's people saying the whole league should pause or shut down based on one team's inability to follow these simple protocols. You know, look, like I think you know where I stand on this stuff. Um, you know, we have to live our lives. Uh, we need to take basic precautions. And, you know, from what I can tell, the cable news ecosystem doesn't believe anyone can have those thoughts simultaneously. But it's the, it's the most sensible thing to me. So we're all guessing on this, and I'm not saying what the NFL or college football should be doing necessarily, but I am struck, again, by the, the form of football in which athletes are well-compensated adults with vastly superior testing and tracing methods and a much easier landscape to enforce the protocols. I'm struck that that 
is the level of football catching more grief than the wild, wild west with unpaid labor and, you know, a fairly proven track record of being unable to get a handle on this thing? Like, you know, what are we doing here? Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a me thing. You know, maybe I'm, you know, more in tune with the NFL than college football. So I'm hearing the criticisms there louder. I don't know. Maybe the NFL is catching more criticism because it's, you know, it's the bigger entity. It's the one with the broader platform. I don't know. Maybe people have just sort of accepted that college sports has no real leadership or cohesion. But one more time, like we're all guessing. We're all searching, you know, for the perfect line between like living normal life on one end and protecting ourselves and others on the other. Um, and your definition of that is probably different than mine, which, you know, again, isn't represented by either end of the extremes that play well on cable news and social media. But, you know, if forced to choose uh, between college football and the NFL, like which is doing a better job, the the side with more unification um, and and <laughs> more money and, and more doctors, uh, that would seem like the safer bet. Um, I, I just don't know why there seems to be a chunk of the public that's, you know, upset with the NFL for being too loose, but then either on board or just apathetic about college as being looser. Maybe I'm blinded by hope here. But I think the NFL is managing this well, even still, um, you know, at least as well as could be reasonably expected. You know, the notable exception of each team bubbling up. Um, the guys have to follow protocols, though. You know, I, I am not one to blame a team just blindly based on an outbreak. But, you know, assuming that, that Paul's report is, is true and there's no reason to believe it's not, um, you know, that's the lesson from the Titans. Um, you got to follow the protocols. And, you know, I hope that lesson is taken seriously around the league. Okay, uh, before we move on to the rest of the show, uh, this podcast is now free, but I'm still going to ask you to join us behind the paywall. Uh, we work hard to bring you information and perspectives you can't get in other places. We have the most journalists covering the Chiefs beat, the most combined experience around the team, the most perspectives. Uh, please help support us by giving the Sports Pass a try. Again, you can join for a dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. You can find those links online or reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email and I'll send them along. Okay, a quick break, and then we're back with some more questions. Um, if you'd like to participate in next week's show, um, and that'll post on Friday, which um, <laughs> at this point, I'm not even sure that will be the day after the Bills game. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, any questions at all, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone, call anytime, 816-234-4365. Uh, quick break, and then we're back with those questions. Hey Sam, uh, Tyler from North Kansas City. Uh, I my question here is about uh, Butcher and your thoughts on his performance as of late. Obviously, he's shanking his kicks consistently and consistently to the left. Do you think that this is a holding problem? Do you think that this is indicative of a larger problem? Uh, we just love your thoughts on that. Thanks very much. Tyler, uh, it's a great question, and uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, honestly, this is one of those things we'd have a better grasp on with the locker room access that I, I sure hope comes back once we have a vaccine, because you know this would be 
fairly straightforward. We'd find a quiet moment with Harrison by his locker, have a conversation, and at least walk away with an idea of what he's thinking and how he's handling all this. As it stands, we're sort of at the mercy of who the Chiefs PR department makes available. And for the most part, they're going to make available the guys who are playing well. Um, I get it. Um, you know, teams want positivity reinforced, but uh, it means we're not hearing from Harrison. But I did ask this question of Dave Tobe the other day, and, and I thought he was honest. He had sort of dismissed the misses against Baltimore as like a one-off, right? But he said seeing it happen two weeks in a row, that's that's a real thing. Um, he says they haven't identified the problem. He said it's easier to fix when it's kind of the same miss, right? Like Butker's been pulling these things to the left. And, you know, Tobe didn't elaborate on what the problem was, but he said they know what was going wrong and it's been fixed in practice. Butker did nothing but extra points in practice the other day. And, you know, according to Tobe, he made them all. Uh, so we'll see, right? Butker missed a field goal and two extra points the last two weeks. Uh, he's missed three extra points on the season. Uh, that's more than any other kicker. Uh, we all understand what he did against the Chargers, especially in overtime, but this is a real thing. Uh, my general thought, you know, kicking is just a fickle business. Um, you know, one little thing can create a big problem, and the fix to that little thing may create a new problem. Uh, you play a sort of like whack-a-mole until you get the thing where you want, but, you know, even that's temporary. And there's a reason that there's so much turnover at that position. But, you know, specific to Butker, um, I think you have to trust him. The, the Chiefs gave him that contract because of his process, right? Not just the results. They believe in the way he works. Um, they believe in the way he takes notes, watches film, works extra, all that stuff. I mean, I think that's what Tobe was getting at in his answer, too. Harrison's genius so far has mostly been in consistency. It's in avoiding the type of relative slump that he's now in. You know, the good news is it's not costing the Chiefs any games, right? You know, and actually Butker was a major reason they were able to beat the Chargers. Um, it's, you know, it's always better when you approach these things from the high ground. That should make it easier, and he's earned the benefit of the doubt here, but it's fair to want a few weeks of his customary production before we can forget about it. So anyway, uh, here's a loaded Chiefs question from Scott. Hi, Sam. This is Scott. I really enjoy your work. I have two questions for you. First is, who's the next man up when by enemy gets hired as a head coach, inevitably at Houston or somewhere else? And also, what team would you consider to be the Chiefs kryptonite like the Chiefs are to the Ravens? Thank you. Let's do these in order. Um, I haven't asked this question specifically, you know, like either in a press conference or privately, but uh, my assumption is that it's Mike Kafka to replace the enemy. Um, you know, Reed has a history, particularly here with the Chiefs, of his offensive coordinator coming from somebody already in-house. Uh, and that makes sense, right? It's complicated offense. Uh, they want somebody that can kind of, you know, hit the ground running. Um, Kafka's title is the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. There is uh, nothing more important to the Chiefs than the quarterback and the passing game, right? So Mike has a strong reputation, great relationship with Mahomes. Those are qualifications. Um, that's the direction I'd expect them to go anyway. Your second question. I might be the only guy on this island, but I'm not just dismissing the idea that the Ravens can beat the Chiefs. Um, they'll need to change up some things and how they defend, particularly with blitzes, but that's still a really talented team with some things on offense that could give the Chiefs some problems. But I also understand the spirit of the question. Um, you know, the easy answer here is the Bills, right? They're tough defensively, um, real high-end talent on that side of the ball with Tredavious White and some different ways to create pressure on the quarterback. Um, Josh Allen looks real. And I have to say here, I've been a Josh Allen doubter. Um, I thought the accuracy would be a bigger problem, but he's worked on that, improved it a lot. Um, improved it more than guys can usually improve it from college. But, you know, I get he's still a 
good for like a bad decision every now and then. Uh, he's fumbled three times, uh, but he's only thrown the one interception. Um, more than all that, he's a playmaker. He's big. He's incredibly athletic. He's tough to bring down, can turn garbage plays into wins. And, you know, the addition of Steph Diggs has, you know, that's everything the Bills had hoped it would be. Uh, that is a really, really good team. I'm, I'm excited for that game next week, uh, whether it's <laughs> Thursday or Saturday or whenever. Um, the other team I want to mention here uh, is the Steelers. Some of the same stuff applies here, actually. The Steelers might actually be, uh, well, they are, I think, a little bit better defensively uh, than the Bills. They're loaded on that side. Mika Fitzpatrick, Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward. Um, you know, TJ Watt is one of the game's best pass rushers. He might be the best at knocking the ball loose. You know, Roethlisberger isn't the athlete that Josh Allen is, but, you know, he's obviously big. He can create a little bit of time. They've got two good running backs. Um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is not Steph Diggs, but, you know, he's a tough cover, and Roethlisberger is great at spreading it around. Uh, you know, those are the the teams in the AFC that I'm most, most interested in, though, you know, I also think this. I think Cam Newton and what we saw from the Patriots defensively the other night might be enough. It'd certainly be enough to, you know, make me interested and watch that game, too. So, OK, we got time for one more question. Hey, Sam. Uh, my name's Jordan. I'm uh, calling from the Kansas City, Kansas area. I'm a senior at Baker University studying mass media. And my question for the pod, if you have any time, is... Uh, what advice do you give young people who are looking to break into the sports media world? Thanks a lot. Bye. Jordan, um, I appreciate the question. Thanks. Um, you know, I hope you're enjoying your time at Baker, too. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that went there, um, a few now coaching there. My aunt used to head the journalism department there, actually. Um, so anyway, this is one of those questions that, you know, makes me feel older than I'm comfortable with, you know, because the, the path I took is just I don't know that it exists anymore. Um, you know, I, I took what I think was the most common path back then. You know, I started covering high schools, uh, then slowly worked my way up. Um, I don't think that really exists anymore. There aren't a lot of places hiring college grads to cover high school sports, but uh, that's good for you, actually, at least I think it is. Um, you know, my path was pretty narrow. Yours is as wide as you want to make it. And, you know, there's just a lot more avenues now. You know, there's probably other people who can speak more credibly on the specific job path. What I can try to address here is the broader stuff, which I hope is more helpful anyway, because uh, the bones of this haven't changed, right? You know, there are more people who want to do these jobs than there are jobs available. But, you know, I think people are still looking for uh, talented, hardworking people with good attitudes. That hasn't changed. I don't think that ever will change. But it just means that you have to work hard. You have to stand out for the right reasons and you have to be as good at this as you can be. Uh, the most important thing I tell students to do is just consume as much as you possibly can. If you wanna write, read. If you wanna broadcast, watch and listen. But do it to an obsessive degree. And you know, the same way like an athlete needs to put in good reps during practice, right? You need to put in good reps here too. Like, you know, I'll speak specifically to writing because that's what I know best, but it applies to whatever you wanna do in this business. Pick out a handful, I'm talking like three, four, five, six, something like that. A handful of people whose work you respect or admire for any reason and read the bejesus out of everything that they've done that you can find. Um, read it first like a normal person um, and then again like a student. Think about their word choices, their leads, their transitions, their structures. You know, Find out what they did that you didn't like and what they did that you do. And think of the choices they made in those stories and the reporting and the whole thing that you wouldn't have considered and also maybe something that you would have done that they didn't do. Uh, remember the stuff you like and steal it. You know, like I'm not talking about plagiarism here, right? But we're all influenced by somebody or somebody's 
uh, you know, take a piece of this guy's work, you know, take a piece of this other woman's stuff, you know, do that with a handful of people, you know, doing what you'd like to do, add in your own little flavor and eventually you're building your own unique voice. Two more things that I, that I wanna tell you. Like first is you have to be willing to work, man. <laughs> you, you gotta be willing to work hard. You gotta be willing to work weird hours. Um, you know, the important stuff isn't your writing style or your broadcasting flair. I know that's what a lot of us can get centered on too often, but it's it's the substance. That's what matters. It's the reporting, it's the perspective. You know, these jobs are really easy to do poorly, <laughs> to do lazily, right? But the people that make it are the people who put the work behind it. You know, I think about it like this, like. Every time somebody clicks on a column or listens to this podcast, whatever, they can't wait to do something else, right? <laughs> they've got a dozen things to read. They've got Netflix to watch. You know, maybe the kids need something. The lawn needs mowed. The dishes need put away, whatever. My job is to make them want to finish whatever it is I've presented to them. And the only way to do that is to give them something they don't have, you know, a piece of information, something to laugh about, something to think about, something to feel, whatever. And not just that, but to do it consistently enough that that's the expectation, right? That they'll come back and even seek me out the next time, hopefully. It's, it's a high bar. Um, you know, obviously some days I'm <laughs> worse at it than others, but, but that's the goal. Okay, the second thing, like you gotta ask questions. Um, you know, th there are people who call this networking. Um, I really hate that word and believe that if you think of it as networking, you're probably doing it wrong. But my thing is like, ask questions, seek out people you respect and ask them. Um, ask them questions, you know, kind of like this. Um, if they're in a position to do hiring, ask them what they look for uh, when, when they are hiring. Don't do it like with your resume attached in the email or whatever, um, but just do it in a genuine way with some humility that you're trying to get better. Um, you know, when, when you're doing the consuming we talked about earlier, if you like something or become curious about a choice the writer made, you know, reach out, email, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you know, ask your question, but, you know, make sure it's genuine. You know, most of us have pretty good BS detectors, if you know what I mean. So um, anyway, I, I hope that helps. And Jordan, if, if you or anyone else listening here has more questions, I'm easy to find. Um, the only thing I ask is that once you're doing this, uh, once you're on the other side of this conversation, on my side now, that, you know, take the time to help somebody uh, who reaches out. Because I, I was on your side, what feels like not too long ago. Um, I remember, and I am eternally grateful to everyone who helped me. I also remember the people who didn't, right? And uh, you want to be remembered the right way. So, um, okay, quick break. And then we are back with some Patrick Mahomes audio and another uh, Chiefs point. Okay, so obviously I hope you read everything I write and I hope it inspires you in your life so much that you send me a million dollars and buy me a boat, right? But I, I did write a column this week that I'd like to expand just a little on here. It's, it's on the website now, kansascity.com, the headline, Patrick Mahomes says a chunk of the Chiefs struggles are on him, but are they? The column is about Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense that looked like, you know, <laughs> pretty ordinary against the Patriots. And, you know, ordinary is not appropriate for this group, right? Like highlights are appropriate, like wild throws downfield, efficient drives, you know the drill. Um, anyway, here's Mahomes talking about his part in all this. Uh, just getting the ball in my hand and finding the right reads. Uh, there was a couple times in the game after watching film, uh, I think I said after the game, but even after watching film where there were some guys open and I wasn't able to find them. And uh, I mean, that's a great defense and we're going to be another one this week. So we have to accept the challenge every single play. And a little bit more from Patrick. 
I, th- I thought the offense line did a good job. There was a couple times I was drifting a little bit, and so I'll do better at working within the pocket, especially when they're only rushing three to four pass rushers. I have to trust in them. Now, that's fine and all, um, but for the call I referenced, I went back and I checked all of his snaps, and, you know, honestly, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, there was one play, uh, and it was a big one, the incomplete pass to Sammy Watkins in the end zone at the end of the uh, Chiefs' first drive. If you watch the clip, and I'm just saying the clip is in the column, uh, you will see Travis Kelsey break open on a, you know, kind of a little drag route toward the right side. Uh, Mahomes didn't see him, locked in on Watkins, and, you know, that was a third down incomplete pass, so it's basically a four-point play. Um, there was one other snap. Um, this one was actually pointed out to me by our reader. Uh, it was it was the deep ball to Tyree Kill that should have been picked off. And if you watch the clip, it was a second and nine, I believe, and, and Kelsey breaks open um, over the middle. Get the ball to him, that's a first down. Uh, those plays are important, but, you know, the way that Mahomes talks, you'd think that he was missing receivers who were, like, you know, socially distanced from defenders with, like, giant neon flashing signs that say, I'm open. And that's just not the case. You know, I got into a little bit of what I think happening is the Patriots in the calm, you know, and mainly um, it, it's like one part Mahomes being stronger in the pocket and then maybe like five parts, the offensive line and Clyde Edwards Hilaire making things a little easier for the quarterback. And maybe that sounds weird, right? Like Mahomes is the one he's got the half billion dollar contract. Um, and the Chiefs gave that to him specifically because he makes everyone's job. And I'm talking from the marketing and business folks to Andy Reid to Tyree Kill to Tyron Matthew, everybody. He makes all their jobs easier. But, you know, football's not a one-man game. And there are simply way too many moments where the Chiefs are giving up pressure to three or four-man rushes. Uh, way too many snaps where the line is either, you know, not opening up holes in the run game or Edwards Hilaire isn't running through them. And, you know, do that and you're no longer facing eight-man rushes or eight-man coverages, I should say. I'm sorry. Um, but the point I want to make here as we finish up the podcast is a little different. Uh, you know, Mahomes is saying all the right things here. He's actually doing his part to fix the problems by specifically not talking about what needs to be fixed. You know what I mean? He really is a unicorn. <laughs> uh, you know, quarterbacks with his type of arm talent often can't move like him or think like him or they don't have the courage in big moments like him. Uh, maybe they have a pretty strong collection of those traits, but they can't lead like him. They can't inspire older teammates to sacrifice or believe. But we are four seasons into it, and a real weakness from Mahomes has just not yet emerged. Uh, you know, some of it is in how he handles moments like this. Like his blockers know that his drifting is not the biggest issue here, right? Uh, his receivers and coaches know that he's not ignoring wide open plays all the time. But they hear what he's saying and they see how he's acting. Um, they know he covers for cracks in the system in a lot of ways. And they know he's pushing the truth here a little bit to cover for some more. And, you know, coaches talk sometimes about wanting their best players to be the hardest workers, right? You've heard that. Uh, and the Chiefs have that in a lot of ways, and especially with Mahomes and Tyron Matthew. But coaches also want their best players to be their best leaders. Uh, they want them to be their best teammates. The Chiefs have invested a lot into this, you know, including some of the reasoning behind trading Marcus Peters a few years back. Uh, and this is exactly what they've been trying to build. And it's a subtle example of that coming to life. Uh, it's good stuff if you're a Chiefs fan. So, um, okay, that's the show this week. Thank you for listening. I hope we're worth your time. And if I can pose one more time, I hope we're worth subscribing to, rating, and reviewing. It really helps us get the word out. Uh, thanks, as always, to Randy Mason and Savannah Smith for putting this together. Thanks to everybody who called in, even those we couldn't get to this week. And, again, the biggest thanks to you for listening. Uh, let's do it again next week. Have a good weekend. Be kind.